Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. For those of you who are regular listeners, welcome back. For those of you who may be first-timers, welcome. Hope you'll hear something that may be of interest to you, something you may not know. When I advertised on social media about last episode, I said that monsters are a stock-in-trade of the paranormal field, and they are. Various kinds of monsters, human monsters, um, critters from the imagination, um, some things that may be legends, some things that may be real but we haven't found yet. Many are listed as cryptids like Bigfoot or Sasquatch or many of the other names that that type of creature is known by, the Yeti, Abominable Snowman, the Ama, different things. We also have the Jersey Devil. Uh, Down here in the south we have the Skunk Ape. That's more in the southeast, but still. These creatures are part and parcel of the paranormal environment. Some people say, oh, they're not real, they're just imaginary. Some people say, oh, they're very real, I've seen them. Now, I'm not going to argue with someone who says they've seen something. They could be mistaken, but it's not my experience and it's not my place to say, oh, that person's lying. No, I don't do that because I've got some weird stories of my own that people can look at and go, hmm, yeah. Ghosts and fairy folk are also citizens of this neighborhood, which encompasses the whole of planet Earth. I dare say that every people group on this planet has its own mysterious creatures, strange experiences, and frightening legends And each story may sound similar to another people group's story, or they may sound totally dissimilar. For instance, down here in God's country, a.k.a. the South, we call those big hairy rascals you hear about Bigfoot. Or, like I said in the Southeast, they call them skunk apes. In Arkansas, they call them swamp monsters. Up north, and to me, that's anywhere above the Brazos River in Texas. They're called the Grassman in Ohio, Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, and according to a recent program I watched, Nantanak in Alaska. I'm not too sure about that last one, but hey, like I said, it's not my experience. Who knows how many other nicknames and local names that these things have 
across the United States and Canada, and even so around the world. But let's look at some other critters that are common to their individual areas. The Mapinguari, which is also called the Juma, is a monstrous jungle-dwelling spirit from Brazilian folklore. There are two major depictions of it. Some describe them as a hairy humanoid cyclops. This version is often said to have a gaping mouth in its abdomen. Others claim that it is a modern-day sighting of the giant ground sloth, an animal estimated to have gone extinct during the early Holocene, which is anywhere from 10,000 to 12,000 years ago or thereabouts. Skeptics point out that there have not been any fossil records of ground sloths for thousands of years. So what is this critter? Is it a real thing? Is it simply tribal legend passed down? Could it be a boogeyman story to induce good behavior in young village children or even wayward teens? Maybe even to try to run off visitors? I personally don't know, but I do know that the Amazon Basin is home to some really interesting plants with some very, shall we say, psychedelic properties. So there's one possibility, a bit too much indulgence in local happy weeds. But I will repeat, it's not my experience. And as such, I cannot call shenanigans on this story. I've been to Brazil, but I was in the south of Brazil. I didn't hear any stories while I was down there. It's been a long time ago. Another monster, which I believe is purely fictional, is called the Rake. And the Rake is a monster in the online horror fiction genre, Creepypasta. It is depicted as an unusually tall, hairless, pale, humanoid creature who generally crouches or crawls on all fours. To me, it seems like the skinny, naked cousin of the online creature called Slender Man. The internet has the ability to take something imaginary and give it a certain amount of reality, such as African princes who are broke until we give them $10,000 to get their money out of the bank. Something I connect with this creature in my own thoughts, and I've never read this anywhere else, but in my own thoughts are the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen pictures of them? Those critters that look like renegade stilt walkers from a circus or carnival, or like a pair of remote control pajama pants. Now, the Nightcrawlers have been captured on a citizen's security camera. So there's physical evidence of something strange happening in Fresno. There are photos heavily full of BS, I must say, both of the Rake and Slender Man. And last episode, I spoke of the concept of the Tulpa, a physical manifestation of a non-real thing, creature, or being. People believe so deeply in a thing where that thing becomes real in their minds. Could this be the case for the rake and the slender man? I can put some belief behind that concept, but the walk in pajama pants? 
and there were at least two sizes. There was an adult jammy walker and a juvenile jammy walker. My thoughts are the rake? Nah, no way. Slenderman, pish tosh, perish the thought. But night crawlers? Perhaps Fresno has something in the water that makes random jammies want to move it, move it, and get up and boogie. I guess the disco era was held over in Fresno. The Philippines are a place which has many stories and tales and mysteries. Although they have many boogeymen umbrellaed under the term Aswang, A-S-W-A-N-G, it could affect a variety of misbehaving humans, such as bad children, bad teens, bad adults, bad customer service people, I don't know. The Aswang is a bracket term for shape-shifting creatures that have a variety of forms, such as the blood-sucking vampire, always a classic, the self-segmenting viscera sucker, which I don't know anything about, the man-eating were-dog, the vindictive or evil-eye witch, and the carrion-eating ghoul. Personally, I think I'm going to stay out of the Philippines. I have, for time and eternity, loved stories of little people. Leprechauns, fairies, gnomes, whatever you want to call them. My favorite cereal at one time was Lucky Charms, but then that was before Lucky was recreated to look like a metrosexual. And since I reside in San Antonio, Texas, which has heavy Mexican and Spanish influence, my more recent favorite little feller is the Duende, which is in the folklore of Spain, Portugal, Latin America, and the Philippines, a supernatural being or spirit resembling a pixie or an imp. Duende is a bracket term for small magical beings of the land. A duende is a humanoid figure of folklore with variations from Iberian, Ibero-American, and Filipino cultures, comparable to dwarves, gnomes, or leprechauns. In Spanish, the duende originated as a contraction of the phrase dueño de casa or duende de casa, effectively master of the house, or perhaps derived from some similar mythical being of the Visigoth or Swabian culture, given its comparable looks with the tomte of the Swedish language, conceptualized as a mischievous spirit inhabiting a dwelling. There are videos of what are called duendes, and they're basically a small person about the size of a, you know, 11 inch, give or take, action figure, seen running across the floor in houses. I've seen several different videos like that, or they, they look around a corner or something at you. Interesting, interesting videos to say the least. And the Duende carries a number of other names. I mean, there are a dozen names or more. It depends on which culture you're dealing with, I think. As I mentioned earlier, there's a booger up in them New Jersey piney woods, as 
probably is in most piney woods because piney woods are frightening places. It's called the Jersey Devil. One plug ugly critter this one is, described as a flying biped with hooves and it emits a piercing scream. Often described as having an equine or goat-like head and a kangaroo or wyvern like shape or aspects. Now a wyvern is a dragon-like creature with two legs instead of four and a pair of wings. It is said to leap or fly and basically scare the bejesus out of those who have seen it or heard it. And there are many reports. According to the popular folklore, the Jersey Devil originated with a Pine Barrens resident named Jane Leeds, also known as Mother Leeds. And boy, what a mother she was. The legend states that Mother Leeds had 12 children. And after finding that she was pregnant for the 13th time, cursed the child in frustration, crying that the child would be the devil, or alternately, that the devil could take the 13th. In 1735, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy night. What better night? While her friends gathered around her. Born as a normal child, the 13th child changed to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Growling and screaming, the child tail whipped everyone before flying up the chimney and heading into the pines. In some versions of the tale, Mother Leeds was supposedly a witch, and the child's father was the devil himself. Some versions of the legend also state that there was a subsequent attempt by local clergymen to exorcise the creature from the Pine Barrens, but since the critter had found a rent-controlled cave, it wasn't going anywhere. I was born in 1960, so I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, and one of the favorite shows I had in the 70s was Shack, the Night Stalker. It wasn't on for very long. I think it was one season, maybe two, like 24 episodes. And they had a monster of the week. Sometimes it was just a vampire. Other times it was a werewolf. Other times it was a man trying to seek eternal life. Other times they were just plain out monsters. In this one episode, we had one called the Rakshasa. Now, as much as the Rakshasa was very similar to the Paramalfei of a different episode, the Rakshasa is from the Sanskrit, and the male is called the Rakshasa, and the female is called the Rakshasi. In Hindu mythology, it's a type of demon or goblin. Rakshasas have the power to change their shape at will and appear as animals, as monsters, or in the case of the female demons, as beautiful women. Or, as in this episode of Kolchak, people that the designated victim know and trust. They are most powerful in the evening, as most monsters are, particularly during the dark period of the new moon.
but they are dispelled by the rising sun. They especially detest sacrifices in prayer. Most powerful among them is their king, the ten-headed Ravana. Not all Rakshasas are evil, though. Some are more akin to Yakshas, nature spirits, while others are similar to Asuras, the traditional opponents of the gods. The term Rakshasa, however, generally applies to those demons who haunt cemeteries, eat the flesh of men, and drink the milk of cows dry, as if by magic. They are vigorously depicted in Rajasthani paintings illustrating the romance of Rama. The canons of sculpture instruct the artist to carve them with a terrifying appearance, complete with fearful side tusks, ugly eyes, curling, awkward brows, and carrying a variety of horrible weapons. Maybe I'll stay away from India too. A story I've told before deals with something called the Converse Werewolf. Now down here in Texas, just northeast of my present locale, in the then small community of Converse, look it up, it's on the map, and back in the late 1860s, there resided a man who was a Civil War veteran. He moved to the area, supposedly, to have peace and quiet. This man had a rather bookish son, of whom he was somewhat disappointed in. It wasn't very manly. The rancher decided to send the boy out hunting. He hoped that the boy would take a liking to the sport, and that, after making his first kill, would prefer the more manly activity over studying and reading. The old man put a long rifle in the boy's hands and instructed him to go hunt and shoot a deer. The family needed meat. He directed the boy to hunt a heavily wooded area along the creek called Skull Crossing. The boy was reluctant at first and resisted, but one way or another, he was finally coerced into going. The old rancher watched with high hopes as his son trekked away from the homestead toward the woods. The old man would soon be disappointed, however, as his son returned a few hours later, empty-handed. When chastised for returning without any game, the boy told his father that he left the area out of fear as he had spotted and been stalked by a monster resembling a werewolf. The father immediately dismissed this wild story and cajoled his son into returning to the area to finish his hunt. The boy did not want to go, but his father left him no choice. Trembling and fearful, the boy trudged back out to the ominously named area of Skull Crossing. Little did the old rancher know it would be the last time he would see his son alive. Hours passed and darkness began to fall. The old man, as the story goes, began to worry and have second thoughts about sending his inexperienced son out into the woods alone. While he hoped the reason the boy had not yet returned was that he had yet to make a kill, he began to have a sinking feeling deep in his gut that something was wrong. Deciding not to wait any longer, the rancher rounded up some neighbors 
and they made their way toward the wooded area near Skull Crossing in search of the boy. What they found upon arriving there is the stuff of nightmares. A search party happened upon a monstrous hirsute or hairy creature hunched over the body of the rancher's son. The beast was in the act of ravenously devouring the boy when discovered. The men got off a few shots at the monster, but it bounded away at lightning speed. The werewolf, as it was dubbed, was described as standing between eight and nine feet tall and covered in dark hair or fur. Members of the search party described it as being some kind of unholy combination between a wolf and a man. The old rancher was understandably devastated by the death of his boy. He blamed himself for not believing his son's story and believed he sent him to his doom by forcing him to return to Skull Crossing to complete his hunt. Some versions of the tale say the rancher died shortly thereafter. Some versions say he became reclusive. He refused to eat and he wasted away. Others say he committed suicide by setting fire to his own home and burned up. Either way, it was a sad end all the way around. Now, I'm not sure of this story, as I'd only heard it about six years ago for the first time. But just as monsters are a stock-in trade of the paranormal world, so are spooky stories, whether they're true or not. They're still part of the lifestyle. And that one is definitely a liver-quivering tale because it took place just a few miles from my home. And growing up in the woods of Central Texas back in the day, and having read the Classics Illustrated version of Frankenstein, I know a good spooky story. And I would spend hours as a child during nighttime thunderstorms watching the tree line on the lookout for that lumbering, inarticulate, murderous monster. As I also said last episode, monsters aren't always big, ugly, and scary. Well, they aren't always big and ugly. Sometimes they're just big. Sometimes they're ugly. But whatever shape or form, they are always scary in the long run. Well, that's what I have for this week, folks. I hope you've enjoyed it. I enjoyed presenting it. Come back next time for more stories from Terry's Mysterious Moments. Look us up on Facebook. I've got a page there. And I finally had a t-shirt printed up. I've got pictures on the Facebook page for Terry's Mysterious Moments. And while the shirts are kind of pricey right now, if we get enough people interested in them, I can get a lower price. So... That's all I can say about that. But come back next time. Get some more weird information. I revel in the weirdness. I, wet, I love the oddity stories. I love spooky stories. I love scary stories. I love monster stories. As long as I'm not part of them. Anyway. Listen, folks. Have a good week. Be careful. Be safe. And be back. Bye-bye.